So you can go ahead and turn to John chapter 15, and it's good to be back here. Thank you for bearing with me last week as I was home sick, and uh, I know you were blessed with Sam coming and, and speaking. Um, but we will continue on in our series after a one-week little, uh, little break there. Now, most of you know the words of Neil Armstrong from the Apollo 11 mission when he stepped onto the moon's surface and he said, this is really cool. No, did he say that? He said, that's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. That's a pretty well-known uh, little uh, quote there now. But you probably don't know the words of Buzz Aldrin on that same mission. Aldrin brought with him a communion kit that his church gave him. And so the, the dinner time, I, w- I would say that evening, but I don't know if they have evenings in space. I, I, haven't, I didn't look that up. Uh, but at dinner time, uh, they all were getting ready to eat. And Aldrin was uh, pre- presenting a message to the earth. So they were broadcasting to the earth there. And he told everyone to think about the events of that day and to give thanks because it was a momentous occasion. Then they turned off the radio broadcast for privacy, and Audrin read these words. He said, I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. That is from John chapter 15, verse 5. And it's these words that we're going to be looking at today from that passage. So we're in a series titled, What is a Disciple of Jesus Christ? And we've been looking at different attributes that make up what, what makes up a disciple of Jesus. So we want to strive for having these attributes in our life. And so we're going to jump right into the next one. And this is the fifth attribute that we've looked at. And if you have your teaching sheets inside the bulletins, you can grab those. And so the, the fifth attribute is... That a disciple of Jesus Christ bears fruit. In John 15, which we're going to be looking at, is part of what we call the farewell discourse. I talked about that a few weeks ago. Jesus knew that his time on earth was coming to an end, and so he was giving some last minute teaching to his followers. And that started in chapter 13. So he He uh, did a number of different things and gave a number of different teachings. But in John chapter 15, verse 1, he tells them this. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Let's stop there. Now, I live in the town of Londonderry, and our town is known for a particular tree. And that is the apple tree. And we have multiple locations of orchard businesses throughout that, uh, that town. Um, and you can, you can grow, uh, you can go pretty much any time throughout the year and buy apples, at least for the right price. They're a little pricey, but you can get freshly grown apples in Londonderry throughout the year there. And that's in Londonderry, but in the first century Israel, they were known for another type of plant, and that is the grapevine. And I read that the grapevine is mentioned more than any other plant in the entire Bible. And that makes sense, because it was a very common plant. 
And so this particular vine was fairly high maintenance. In fact, to Isaiah 5, there's a song about the vineyard, and part of the song about the vineyard just talks about some of the tasks that you have to do in order to make this vineyard work. Let me read verse 2. He dug it up and cleared it of stones and planted it with the choicest vines. He, boy, he built a watchtower in it and cut it with, uh, out and cut out a wine press as well. And then he looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. Is anyone else feeling edified after learning about the grapevines? And in the Old Testament, the vineyard is often used to symbolize Israel. So God is the one who is tending the vineyard there. And, but we see there that in John 15, 1 now, Jesus says that he is the true vine. So Israel was the imperfect vineyard. They were constantly rebelling against God. But Jesus, on the other hand, is the true vine because he perfectly obeyed the Father. So Jesus also says in this passage that God, the Father, is the vine dresser. And that's just a fancy word for gardener. So we have Jesus as the vine and God as the gardener. Now you may be wondering at this point, as you've stepped into church here, why are we spending so much time talking about vines and vineyards and plants? And if you're wondering that, I'm glad you're thinking that. Because this entire passage will not make sense unless you understand this analogy. Not only is this an analogy that the people, the Jewish people, would understand because that was a common plant in their time, but this is an analogy that is a powerful image of what Christians are as well. So let's think about this. What is the definition of the word Christian or of being a Christian? Now, without going into the Greek grammar, the word Christian basically means those of Christ or those belonging to Christ. And so as Christians, our entire lives are belonging to Jesus Christ. And if we were plants, then we would be what I might call Christ plants. And God would garden us and we would bear fruit based on what comes out of our uh, our, what comes out of us as plants of Christ. And I've shared before that all Christians are disciples of Jesus Christ. We established that in the, first, uh, in the first part of this series. So God, or Jesus, is our teacher. He's our leader, and we follow him. And so everything that we do comes out of our lives that are in him. And that's why the vineyard here is a powerful analogy for us because it portrays what the Christian life is. And that is living in Christ and producing Christ fruit out of our connection to Christ. And yes, I know I mentioned Christ a lot there and that's on, that's on purpose because our relationship with Christ is so important when we're talking about what it means to be a disciple of Christ. Let's look at verse 2 now. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes 
that it may bear more fruit. Now, I feel very unqualified to talk about this subject because I am no farmer and I seem to kill just about any plant that steps foot on my property. In fact, I see weeds sort of blown onto our grass and they wait for the wind to blow themselves somewhere else because they know they're not going to make it here on my yard. It's that bad. But the basic idea that Jesus is giving here is that vine branches need to bear fruit. And if they don't, then they need to be removed. Why is that? Because they're taking away the energy from the branches that are bearing fruit. And so Jesus is saying that the same is true for his followers. That if you're not bearing fruit, then you will be cut off. And I'm going to come back to that idea in just a moment. But Jesus goes into more detail in verse 3. He says, Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. So this is referring back to John chapter 13 when Jesus washed their feet. Jesus washed their, uh, t- told Peter that he had to wash his feet in order to be clean. And Peter said, oh, wash all of me. And Jesus said, no, 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 you're not getting it. So Jesus wasn't referring to the, 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 the outside, the, the stinky feet. What Jesus was referring to was the inside. And when Jesus washes the inside, you only need that washing one time. We talked about that a number of months ago. And so he's saying that the disciples, at least most of the disciples that follow him, have been spiritually washed because they have put their faith in Jesus Christ. And then in verse 4, it's, uh, Jesus says, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse 5, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him He it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. So looking at this passage broadly, we see this dependent relationship between Christians and Jesus Christ. And in biology, there's a fancy term called, in biology, anything to me is a fancy term because I didn't do well in biology, but there's a fancy term called symbiotic relationships. And this is where each side benefits from the other. For example, bees and flowers mutually benefit each other. Or I read that ants and the acacia tree mutually benefit each other. Kyle and Caroline mutually benefit each other. But there's another type of symbiotic relationship, and it's called commensalism. And this is where one side of the relationship benefits. So, for example, the remora fish, this is a type of sucker fish, And it attaches itself to sharks and other large fish. And then when the sharks eat, they're apparently messy eaters. And so these fish feed on the scraps that are left behind from the shark. And so the the shark does not benefit from this relationship, but the remora fish does because it gets all those scraps and everything. 
And that right there is a good description or good picture of Christians as well. That we benefit from our relationship with Jesus. Jesus doesn't need us, but we need him. And apart from him, we cannot bear fruit. Now, I'm going to be talking more about the abiding part in a moment, but I want to point out what Jesus says in verse 6, because sometimes people can confuse what is being said here. Let me read it again. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. So what is he talking about here? Let's just think through everything that he said up to this point. In verse 2, he said that branches that do not bear fruit will be cut off. And why are they not bearing fruit? And that's, the answer is pretty clear in verse 6. That's because they're not abiding in Jesus Christ. And so what is someone who is not abiding in Jesus Christ? If a person doesn't abide in Christ, then they are a person that is not a Christian. Because a Christian, by its very definition, is someone who abides in Christ. And so I don't see Jesus here talking about someone who can lose their salvation, who was once saved and then gets cut off. I see Jesus referring to people who follow him but don't truly know him. You may ask, what do I mean? Well, Judas is a perfect example of this. Judas One of the disciples hung out with Jesus all the time. He listened to Jesus' teaching. He saw Jesus do miracles. And in the end, though, Judas was not a true follower of Jesus Christ. I want to ask you, what about you? You're here in church, or maybe you're listening online. And I want to say that's very, very commendable because that's far more than what many people do for their spiritual lives. But... There's a difference between hearing about Jesus, even reading the words of Jesus, and abiding in Jesus. And you can attend church all your life and not be a Christian. You can know all sorts of things, there needs to, and all sorts of stuff. You can answer all those quiz questions that we saw before the service and still not be a Christian. Because a Christian is one that abides in Jesus. And that brings us to our main verse, for our purposes at least, that when it comes to knowing what makes up, what makes up a disciple of Jesus Christ, then a surefire way to see if they're a disciple of Jesus Christ is to see what they are bearing. Verse 8. By this... My Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciple. And that word prove literally means to come into a certain state or possess certain characteristics to be or to prove to be or turn out to be. So not only is Jesus saying that God is glorified when we bear fruit, but the act of bearing fruit Proved, meaning it possesses certain characteristics to prove to be that you are one of his disciples. So this is extremely important for every follower of Jesus Christ because the fruit is what shows that we are followers of Jesus. 
Now, notice I said shows, not makes. And so our works, our fruit, are not what makes us a believer, but it certainly shows where we are at spiritually. But this whole idea then raises two very important questions that we're going to discuss now. And here's the first question. What is the fruit that Jesus is speaking about here? When Jesus says that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciple, what fruit is he talking about? To answer that question, it's helpful to remember the overall picture that Jesus is giving. So again, Jesus saying he's the true vine. God the Father is the gardener. And we are the branches that come out of the vine. And so everything we produce should come out of our connection to Jesus. As Christians, there are a lot of different types of fruit that we can produce out of our connection with Jesus. So let me give you several examples. Probably the most well-known passage on fruit is from Galatians 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. So here we see that that the fruit, uh, as the Holy Spirit works in our life, there's fruit that comes out, and that's love and joy and peace and patience. So, So these are examples of bearing fruit based on the Holy Spirit working in our life. But that's certainly not the only fruit that the Bible mentions. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So he's saying there that righteous living in terms of actions is another fruit that comes out of connection with Jesus, particularly in the time of what he called discipline or or correction or or, uh, growth during difficult times. So that's another example of fruit that comes out is righteous living. Let's look at another one. Colossians chapter 1, verse 10. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit, in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So here, bearing fruit refers to what we might call good works and increasing and increasing knowledge of God. So hopefully you can see, this is just, these are just a few of the many examples that we see in the New Testament of what fruit can be. That fruit is not just one single thing or just the fruit of the Spirit. There's a lot of different things That come out. And so, with all this in mind, I define John 15 8 fruit as this. They are byproducts, meaning like actions or thoughts, that come out of a close connection to Jesus Christ. Now, this leads to the second question How do we bear this fruit? How do we get the fruit to come out of our life? We've seen some of it already. But 
if Jesus is saying that this is what shows that you are his disciple, then, then this is very important, isn't it? Let me read the next few verses. We stopped at verse 8, so let me read verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Verse 11, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. And then let me read verses 4 and 5 again, because they're very applicable here. Jesus says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So how do we get this fruit to come out of our life? Well, Jesus makes it very clear. First of all, we need to abide in Jesus. And this makes sense. If the fruit that's coming out comes out of a connection with Jesus, then it makes sense that you will bear more fruit when you are abiding or connecting more with Jesus. And we abide in Jesus by getting more of his ways in us. And a major way that we do that is through getting his word in us. As he says in verse 10, he says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. And so the more that you know his commandments, the more that you will be able to obey him. Which leads to the second part here. Not only do we abide in Jesus, but we let Jesus abide in us. So it's, it's one thing to get Jesus near us. And that's a good first step. But only when you're connected to him will you be able to bear fruit. Now, if you know me very well, you know that I don't like coffee because it's a very disgusting drink. It's obvious. <laughs> but I do enjoy a good cup of tea. And in fact, in my office, I don't have a coffee maker. I have here a kettle, an electric kettle. And what do you need to make a good cup of tea? Well, there's a number of different things. Yeah, you need some, you need some water. Uh, you need something to hold the water in. But you also need tea leaves. And I'm a bit of a tea snob, so I have tea bags, but... Most of what I have in my office are the loose leaf tea, because that's just how I roll. But here's the thing. Having tea leaves, even good ones like this, doesn't make tea. Having hot water here, even good filtered hot water, like what I have in here, doesn't make tea. If we put these two next to each other, guess what won't appear? Tea is not going to appear. Why? Because we need to get the tea in the water. And so I have here some pre-inserted tea leaves in here. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add just a little bit more just because um, if I can get this open. There we go. All right. So I have a little bit of tea, but let's add a little bit more because it's nothing like a good strong cup of tea. So let's get this in. 
All right, so now we're going to put this in the water. Do we have tea yet? Only when we get the tea leaves in will it start to make tea. Now, what's going on right now is called steeping. I don't know why this particular sermon, I'm using a lot of fancy biological words here, but another fancy word for this is called osmosis and diffusion. And I read about it this week, that when you steep tea leaves in the water, when in the hot water there, what you're doing is you're extracting the bioactive compounds and flavor from the leaves. They're, they're sort of coming off of those and going into the water. And church, when it comes to abiding in Jesus Christ and letting him abide in you, this right here is what I'm talking about. You're not going to get much by just having him near you. You need to have him in you. And Jesus says we do this through getting the word of God in us. And when you do that, when you get him in you, when you get his word in you, there's these high concentrates of thoughts and actions in the heart of Jesus that slowly begins to diffuse into you. Does it happen quickly? Well, obviously not here. No, it takes time. But over time, the more and more that you allow him in you, the more and more that's going to come out. And that is how you bear fruit. And I want to close with one last thought. That we've talked about bearing fruit, mostly been speaking about bearing good fruit. But you can bear bad fruit as well. I came across an article from the New Zealand Herald that I want to tell you about. And it's about a, a Americans named Mark and Anna. And I, couldn't, I, didn't, I couldn't tell if they lived in New Zealand or if this was just an article about happening in America. But Mark and Anna had three daughters. And they were very surprised when they found out that a fourth child was coming. And so their surprise turned to joy when they found out the fourth child that they're having was a boy. They were very excited to have a, a son. And so they were all excited throughout the pregnancy. But then something changed once the baby was born. I'm going to read what Mark said later on. He said, as soon as the baby was born, it was clear that I was not the father. He was clearly another ethnicity to Anna and I. I was shocked, absolutely shocked. Not only I discovered that the child I was expecting was not mine, but I discovered that Anna had been unfaithful. So he never saw it coming. They had a strong relationship, or so he thought. They described each other as best friends with similar values and interests and hobbies. And all that changed when a baby with a different ethnicity was born. How did that happen? Well, I'm not going to go into the biology of that part with fancy words. But it came out of bad actions. 
bad actions, and this is a sad example of what can also happen to us spiritually as well. Jesus talks about this in Matthew chapter 7, verse 17, where he says, Every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. And so the fruit that we bear is determined by what we abide in and what abides in us. So what you steep into your life will determine what comes out. So if you're noticing a lot of negative fruit coming out of your life, then I want to challenge you to think hard about what you're letting into your life. If you have wrong actions, wrong thinking, or wrong influences, or a number of other wrong things that are abiding in you or getting close to you, all of these can lead to bad fruit. And the scary thing is what Jesus said, that your fruit is what glorifies God, but your fruit is what also proves that you are his disciple. And so bad fruit is a very scary indicator of where you are at spiritually. And most of you know the phrase, I'm going to close with this. Most of you know the phrase, you are what you eat. For example, I I tell my kids, if you eat goldfish and hot dogs every single time, you're going to turn into a big goldfish and hot dog. A goldfish dog. But I came across an article that actually explains this very idea. It said, in a literal sense, we can all agree that it's true that you are what you eat. Nutrients from the foods we eat provide a foundation of the structure, function, and wholeness of every little cell in our body from the skin and hair to the muscles, bones, and digestive and immune system. And so in other words, what you let into your body essentially provides the foundation for all the different cells in your body. And the exact same thing could be said for our spiritual lives. That what you let in is going to provide the foundation for the rest of your spiritual life. And so if you're abiding in sin, then guess what type of fruit is going to be coming out? More sinful fruit. And so I want to challenge you today to take a hard look at what is being produced out of your life. I want to challenge you to not settle for mediocrity or for sinful fruit, but instead to pursue godly fruit. So I encourage you to get into Scripture. And the more that you will get it in you, the more that you're going to see your life transformed in godly fruit coming out of you. And I do want to let everyone know that it begins with putting your faith in Jesus Christ. You can't abide in him unless you ask him to be your Lord and Savior and ask him to be part of your life. Unless you give your life to him. So that's the first step. Turn to him and give him your life. Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So it starts with that. But from that point forward, it's a process of getting the good stuff in you to filter through your life 
and then the work in getting the good fruit out, to produce good, good fruit out of your life. And that's what we as Christians and as disciples of Jesus Christ are striving for. Let's go ahead and let's spend a moment now in prayer. Father, I pray.